Today on The Topping Show, Oppenheimer is critiqued by feminists for reasons. Jason Aldean's music video bends the knee with self-censorship. Disney's Marvel may delay Miss Marvel yet again. Trump is attempting to win the endorsement of United Auto Workers. It probably won't work. Mitch McConnell freezes on live TV. Boeing stock skyrockets up into the air. You can now use your fingerprint to buy booze. Gap hires Mattel leadership for a new CEO. The Bank of California and PacWest may merge. And a Chase outage takes out the Zeely app. All of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Today's episode of Topping Show is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller services company with a special proficiency in IT security. Heck, see their founder release twice a day. Gotta say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me, that's a joke. If you're an IT leader or a business owner, you can reach the team at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going out to the business part of the podcast, you have Boeing, their stock is flying up. Now, it seems to be that their production issues have finally been hammered out after multiple delays this year, partially due to their own internal issues, as well as issues with their subcontractors and their supply chain. And it looks like the output of their 737 is up 23% compared to the same time period last year. And when it comes to the fiscal side of the company, it looks like they reported a narrower than expected loss of 82 cents per share, and they have a $2.6 billion in free cash flow which is quite a reversal from the same time period last year, they burned through about $182 million. And interestingly enough, it looks like Boeing Defense, their business was actually a weak spot with a combination of a few things. You have inflation, worker turnaround, you have parts shortages, all eating into their bottom line. And they have one of their military initiatives. It's Starliner spacecraft, which they actually got with um, NASA for about $5 billion. Now, that was a $5 billion contract where they were supposed to be fixed price to develop their Starliner, where they're supposed to help them obviously with the space endeavors. And it looks like they've recorded losses every single year. With this year, it looks like they've notched about $1.5 billion in cost overruns. Now this is quite, well, I don't wanna say ironic, but kind of interesting where the whole inception of Boeing was military contracts. That's how the company really built a reputation in the aerospace community. It wasn't until they had a little bit of a new leadership shakeup, and they really started to court the airline industry several decades ago, where now, ironically enough, most civilians, most people in the United States think of them primarily for when they go to the airport and they actually just fly from one state to another, when in fact, defense is a huge part of their portfolio. Now, it'll be interesting to see how high their stock can fly. You have the presidential election right around the corner next year, and there's always a lot of contention of, depending on who takes power, they may or may not help or inhibit the military industry. That, there's a lot of variables and unknowns, which of course is what you know usually fuels pessimism about the stock market. But in this case, it looks like their stock is finally starting to skyrocket up. Met metaphor uh, moderately, or pun moderately intended. Now, other interesting business news you have, you can now use your fingerprint or your eyeballs to buy booze, which is fascinating. Now, this is actually coming from proposed legislation in New York as well as Washington. There are a lot of customers to use their scan of their, also their palms, their fingers, their faces, or retinas, instead of simply handing over a driver's license for the age confirmation. Now, granted in terms of accuracy, with the exception of hackers, you know, manipulating the data stream or manipulating putting data in or taking data out, it would be perhaps more 
reliable than traditional, you know, having a clerk at a store or a stadium look at your actual driver's license or your supposed alleged driver's license if you're using a false ID. But there's also a lot of privacy concerns because obviously your biometric data is quite sensitive. It's perhaps the most unique thing about you, especially if you're going to have a modern society with so many personalities merging into each other, people identifying their personalities with their political affiliations as opposed to the actual actions and you know real core beliefs. But I digress. It's one of the few individual things about people these days. And hopefully there'll be some privacy concerns. So a couple of privacy uh, advocacy groups have spoken up and there's a little bit of a pushback publicly, but this is also coming from a society who is more than willing to sell away, sign away all their rights when they sign up for the latest social media app, where you have threads is actually taking not only your standard info, like your contact info, your email address, your phone number, that's kind of standard, but you have threads actually wanting to know your credit score, your sexual orientation, your religion, pretty much everything about you. I'm surprised they don't ask permission to well, I guess TikTok also asks permission to all of your apps. And I believe that you might include the biometric like Flex apps or not the Flex app, the Fitbit so you know your heart rate. It's astonishing how many people just click the yes to uh, accept terms and conditions without actually reading them. It's such a fascinating psychological phenomenon. South Park had a whole parody episode about it. So in terms of mass adoption, I figure hopefully some people will push back against this, but it's already been rolled out. They actually have currently the Las Vegas Raiders. They're allowing fans at the home games to use their facial recognition on their phones. So kind of to confirm your age and your identity, you just pull up your phone, have your face on it, and then they'll deliver booze right to your chair. You're no, no need to get up or spend a modicum of effort burning calories or walking anywhere. Just sit down in that chair and consume as much product as possible. And it looks like even Whole Foods have jumped on this as well with their partnership with Amazon. Well, Amazon owns them. But they have a palm scanning technology that recently was now going to be rolled out to all 500 Whole Foods stores where you just have your palm scanned as opposed to a traditional ID or credit card. So it'll be interesting to see, is there more pushback because this feel, maybe people will feel more concerned because it's a little bit more invasive than, than the traditional, yes, you know all my online activity. I hope some people push back, but unfortunately we seem to be slipping further and further precipitously down the slippery slope to 1984 becoming less of a science fiction book and more of a re something more based in reality. Although some might argue it's worse than reality is worse than the book in some cases. And again, this is a disclaimer. Do not play, you know, do not uh, play around with the drinking game every time I note that book, unfortunately, because the book has become so accurate with modern society. It's a pretty good reference point and something everyone should read. Unfortunately, public schools don't actually, many times don't actually encourage people to read great works of literature, just What's well, the nice way of saying propaganda by teachers? Propaganda by teachers instead of the fine works of art. But I digress. Other interesting business news, you have Gap hiring Mattel leader for their CEO. Now, it's not too much of a surprise given his background. Richard Dixon is actually the president and chief operating officer of Mattel. And he's going to be leaving them to become the CEO of Gap. And this comes after we had about a year since the former Gap CEO, Sonia Sengel, stepped down leaving the company, which Gap, a lot of people don't realize, they also own the Banana Republic, Athletica, as well as Old Navy. So they've been without someone at the helm for quite some time, and they've been struggling for quite some time as well in terms of their sales. Now, it looks like Dixon's thus known for bringing Mattel, breathing life back into the brand, specifically the Barbie franchise. So he has a proven track record of turning things around. However, I'm a little skeptical just because of the there's a big delta, a big difference between reinvigorating a staple brand or a brand that's been around for decades. It's a different thing to bring 
breathe life back into that one specific product as opposed to a company like Gap. You kind of saw this with Tuesday morning where the previous, you had a couple of the previous CEOs, he turned around a clothing store, which that's more specific, but they weren't able to turn around Tuesday morning, unfortunately, they subsequently went bankrupt. And you also had this, I believe one of the GameStop CEOs, he used to be the CEO of AutoZone. Actually, no, for sure, I know that was a use case. Now, AutoZone, he was able to successfully turn around because people need a lot of the things that they sell. There's a lot of wearable items on a vehicle, you know, including brake pads, air filters, window washer fluid, windshield wipers. Now, he failed at turning GameStop around partially because you could download most of the products there. You can't download a pair of washer fluid yet. Someone might be able to 3D print that with magic someday. And you have a little bit of competition from e-commerce, but AutoZone really is the comp it's really the convenience of you going there and getting it. So he built, he turned that company around. Now, with Gap, there's a lot of competition with a lot of clothing companies, and it's really a cost basis. It's hard to build a brand when you're known for being uh, more cost favorable. A nice way of saying you're a discount store. Now, he's had a lot of experience with the company. Dixon's actually been on the board of directors for Gap since last November. And there was a little co-collaboration where Gap and Mattel partnered to sell the Barbie-themed clothing back in April 2022. So they've had a little bit of interactions. He's been on the board for a while, so it makes sense logically for him to be the CEO. And he certainly knows some background information that most consumers don't since he's on the board. But it'll be interesting to see, can he turn around this new challenge where it's a whole new category? I would argue Barbie, rudimentary speaking, is a little bit easier just because it's been around forever. You basically just need you know, not to short sell his past consumers, but you need to just breathe new life back to the brand, more advertising campaigns, maybe give Barbie a, Barbie a smartphone or something to make it more up to at the times. Although she sells a Corvette, although I think it's automatic, so it's pretty disappointing in and of itself. But it'll be interesting to see, and hopefully he's able to turn it around so more jobs aren't lost as those chains continue to struggle with more and more competition, and of course consumers being more and more price sensitive Therefore, also reducing the profit margins that they make, which you need to reinvest to actually build the store and make it better. So I wish them the best, and we shall see what he's able to do. Other interesting business news, you have Bank of California and PacWest on track to merge. Now, they're two regional banks, and together they will create a $36 billion community bank in a private equity deal. Which certainly would be one of the largest, which is kind of somewhat ironic or a little bit funny when you think of a community bank. I usually thought of the you know the small the bank that my small town had when I was a kid where you know most of the residents used it and they had one or two, they had two branches at opposite sides of the town. I mean to to me that's that's kind of what I think when it comes to like a community bank. I know it's also a legal distinction between you know the larger banks as well, but it's like kind of, kind of a little funny marketing where it's kind of different what you expect. Now of course they still need to have this signed off by the regulators as well as the shareholders. So realistically they're expecting this deal to close Q4 of 2023 or early Q1 2024. Now, it looks like Jared Wolf, the CEO and president of Bank of California would stay as head of the combined bank and which would retain the Bank of California name. And it looks like one of the reasons they're trying to merge is that PacWest struggled to retain deposits since you had all those banks collapse earlier this year and the federal government subsequently bailed them out. So there's really not, not much negative consequences, but one of the biggest downsides to all those issues were a lot of the mid-sized banks and smaller banks were just eviscerated because consumer confidence was just nothing there. So consumers just had the perception of the largest banks being the most secure, so they moved all their money to those banks. So unfortunately, a lot of those mid-sized and small-sized companies were detrimentally destroyed, 
and I'm hoping some will be, something will be able to reverse that trend, but I'm not seeing anything on the horizon, any legislation or business um, protocols or marketing initi any initiatives really to reverse it. Um, well, time shall tell, as I always say, but hope hopefully, you know, if they do combine, not too many jobs will be lost and the consumer will be best better served. We shall see. Now, going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Oppenheimer critiqued for feminist or by feminists for reasons. Now, the movie actually made $80 million during its opening weekend, so not as great as some had kind of hoped. I say that because the production cost is estimated to be a little bit over $100 million. And from a technological perspective, I'm fascinated by it. I may actually see it, and I usually don't see movies, because he actually uses film, which is a dying industry of, in and of itself, as opposed to, of course, we live in a digital age. And being an old soul who prefers analog technology and using things like stick shifts, manual transmissions, I certainly can appreciate him using film and practical effects. There's no CGI in the film, which in 2023 is unprecedented. CGI being the acronym for computer generated image, which if you ever go to a Marvel, Marvel movie, you're basically watching a computer game because you see like one or two real people and they put on a, a green suit usually, I believe, maybe one or two real suits. And the computers, I don't want to say magically, you have a whole team doing it, but they put the scenes and everything together with the explosions and everything like that. So Oppenheimer actually used all real effects and film, which is a very, something you usually see from indie films, they have such a large film to it, is phenomenally, I find that fascinating and really appreciate it. Now, Oppenheimer tells a story, if you haven't heard of him, of Robert Oppenheimer, who's the leader of the Manhattan Project, which is, previously was the largest government project in history, was recently surplaced by the F-35 Lightning II by Lockheed Martin. That company headed that initiative where every defense contractor contributed in some way or another. But it was Manhattan Project was the largest at the time, and it was so it came together to build the atomic bomb, which ended World War II. And you have many, many, many people critiquing the film because the, the, the female characters apparently were not portrayed well, and there weren't enough of them, which, if you want to read a history book, at the time, that was kind of the situation in that instance. You have other instances. World War II was kind of the tipping point if you look at the workforce that was really a big tipping point where women really exponentially increased their participation in the workforce, um, primarily because most of the GIs were overseas fighting and dying for our country. So you had that augmentation. So if you look at materials from the time, yeah, I mean, one of the best um, advertising that I saw, um, I was alive during World War II, although I'm an old soul, soul, but the thing I really appreciated from some historical documents and advertising like that was Rosie the Riveter, where it was a, obviously her name was Rosie, and she was holding a riveting gun, and she was in front of, I believe, a, um, an aircraft carrier, a, a large um, construction of a large um, Navy vessel. And it was quite, or maybe it's aerospace? I digress. It was a large military vehicle, and it was encouraging women to get in the workforce because there's that huge gap because all many of the men were gone. So many people, I'm surprised more people don't contribute World War II to the increase in, increase in workplace placement after the war that made them stay there too so it's a big pivotal moment in our history but there's also certain industries or certain areas such as engineering where there is more gaps in the talent pool so that's that talent that delta between men and women has shrinked exponentially since then but in terms of the movie at the time that would be accurate but of course many people don't want accurate they just want to have everything be the same cookie cutter thing and even dare say that anything was different throughout history is sacrilege you can't do that now, you have one more on, I mean, um, reviewers say that, quote, the woman in Oppenheimer, boobs, babies, and a bit of booze, booze, bring in the washing gear, 
They may as well have been blown up dolls, unquote. So I suppose that's, that, that is a pejorative term. They're trying to be pejorative. Ironically, they might just won over a couple of guys who wanted to watch the movie. But yeah, that's that was one reviewer. Another reviewer noted that many of the so social media users in the Oppenheimer fail the Bechtel test, which no one really needs to know about the test, but I'll explain it anyway. Now, the Bechtel test is a phenomenon in which it's used to measure the representation of women in film and other fiction. To pass, it requires at least two women in the film series to talk to another about something other than a man. Often those women should also be named. So that's the Bechtel test. Another comment said there wasn't a uh, female on script or on screen for probably the first like 15 minutes or something, which certainly annoyed a lot of people because it's probably quiet, but I, some might say that I would never suggest that. But it's fascinating to see so much criticism against this movie being historically accurate and there's also some people critiquing there weren't more like kissing and there, there weren't as a love story. It, that's fine. Not every cliche movie has to be the same copy paste as the last where you have the the guy and the girl getting together, they fall in love, they kiss. That, sometimes a movie could just be about historical events such as this. You don't have to insert a BS love story. Like the movie Pearl Harbor was garbage partially because they inserted these specific love stories that no one cared about. People want to watch, it was supposed to be a historical movie about the big event and it, it focused on I think I saw previews of it in maybe a couple minutes before I tuned out because it's so boring beyond all belief but it focused on a very specific people falling in love. It, it's, it ruined the movie for me it's ridiculous so it's interesting to see so much pushback against this film however the same people are not pushing back against Barbie which shows men in the worst possible light as the most cliche Trying to think of a nice way of saying uh, douchebag. This is probably a nicer way. Let me know in the comments if there's a more sophisticated way of saying that. But it shows men as the most rudimentary, clumsy, bossy, ignorant, foolish. It shows men in the worst possible light in the Barbie film. I've yet to see a male feminist, which, or uh, what, what would that be, a men's rights guy? You don't see people protesting that film. You see a couple of conservative folks and a couple of people like myself critique it online. But you're not having dozens of articles written about it partially because it's a movie but it'll be interesting to see does this increase or decrease sales i i doubt it just because again the people the way the movie was in terms of marketing the way it was portrayed is pretty much what you're getting from most of the reviews of the film as opposed to barbie where there's a big discrepancy between what you're advertising versus what you're getting a topic in and of itself for another time but i don't think it'll affect oppenheimer's film sales too much we'll see now, other interesting cultural news, you have Jason Aldean's music video, Bending the Knee, unquote, unquote. Now, recently, Jason Aldean actually released a song called This Small Town about two months ago. And interestingly enough, no one really cared or noticed. I, I didn't even know it existed. Granted, I don't listen to too much music after the 1930s well, or no, 20s. I prefer classics uh, overall, but it's one of those things where no one really noticed it come out. Didn't hit the charts, didn't have a dingo platinum, didn't really sell a lot, didn't break any records, certainly. And then they just said, come out, they come out with a music video, which obviously is going to help because, you know, 90 plus percent of body language communication is visual. So that's why music videos are probably a more prudent thing for every artist to do in the music industry, as well as podcasting like this. And within a couple days, actually within 12 days, it got 20 million views. Now, it was partially boosted in terms of popularity because... It was first put on the country music television, or the CMT, I think is what they would call it. And 
it was pretty much immediately censored. And people said it was racist and evil. That increased attention exponentially. People tuned in and defended him like no tomorrow. And at the time, Jason Aldean stood by the film, or I guess in this case, a music video, saying there's nothing in politics for. Is in no way against derogatory or against any specific race. It's really just about a small town and people protect themselves and looking out for each other. And ironically enough, people who are saying it was racist, if you actually looked at the film or the, the clips that showed people rioting, a lot of them, what's well, a nice way of saying this, they're were, they were white folk. Guess what? A lot of the protests and violent protests, you had mixed race. A lot. It wasn't just one race doing it. It's pretty racist to say it was one race doing it. Now, it looks like after the controversy and hit 20 million views on YouTube alone, it was number one in trending. It was number two most downloaded on some platforms. It, controversy does certainly sell. And in this case, it certainly did. So he got the fame for this. He got all the social credit for not bending the knee, sticking to his guns. And now they're changing the music video. Why? I, have, I, could, only, I could only guess so much. Now, in terms of the specifics on what they did to the film, you have towards the beginning of the video, the original version showed images from a Fox 5 broadcast projected on the side of a courthouse. And it showed, obviously, individual people performing violent acts. And now they actually change it so they just zoom in to a specific uh, hand holding a Molotov cocktail. So that was the first change. Another change they did, there was a Fox 5 footage showing protesters and a Chiron reading, quote, State of emergency declared in Georgia. Also appeared at, appeared at the 121 mark in the original video. The new version replaces the footage with additional images of Aldean and the band performing outside the courthouse. So they got rid of that imagery completely, just put more of him in it. Now, the last major edit removes a clip from an unknown news broadcast about farmers dropping their crops to, quote, aid a friend in need. How that's controversial is beyond me. Now, in the revised version, more footage of Aldean is performing replaces the appearance, appearance of the man saying, quote, it's what this community and a lot of the farm communities stand for. Someone needs to help. Uh, someone needs to need some help. They'll get it. And they got rid of that. So these are kind of what the people, kind of like a newspaper stealth edit where you have the main thing. And then a couple days later, they just edit it without really letting anyone know or doing like an official announcement. And apparently they're doing this to get it back on the country music television channel. But why? Everyone who has wanted to see it has already seen it by now. I can't imagine they're going to get an increase in record sales because of this. There's a lot of speculation as many media companies are more left-leaning. I mean, industries, well, the whole industry is on average. If they're doing this just to acquiesce to their boss or producers. or And there's still no official comment from Jason Aldean himself. But... And there's still no word if he was directly involved in this. But if he was not involved in this, he would have t presumably tweeted or, you know, let it know that, hey, I don't agree that this is BS. You're editing my video. You know, this is against my artistic vision. It's fascinating to see they're just kind of bending the knee. And I don't see, unless he's secretly more on the left, or there's a lot of speculation as to why they're doing this. And from a business perspective, I guess it, it might be one way to win both parties if you see this as a political issue where you have people on the right who are more country, God and freedom, and people on the left who are more not so much. If you see it as a political issue, maybe he's playing both sides where when it first came out, no one cared. 
it got protested. So people on the right, who more often than not free, they believe well free speech, you shouldn't be editing this. It's, you have the original context, to have the original content. He got all those people to view it, and now that he's editing it, perhaps he'll get more people who are traditionally on the left side of the political aisle. So it'll be interesting to see is that is he trying to get 100% market share and sell controversy at the same time? A risky idea, but maybe it works. But it is interesting to see this kind of flip-flop, and I'm sure it won't be the last time it happens. But, yeah, as I always say, it'll be interesting, but time shall tell. Other interesting cultural news, you have Disney Marvel might delay Miss Marvel yet again. And also the movies are losing about $100 million. Now, this film is supposedly starring an actress by the name of Brie Larson. She is, in recent interviews, she's kind of lukewarm about her interaction with the material. In her defense, I probably would be too if you if I put all if I put effort into making a film and it didn't get released. So in one interview, she pejorative they asked her, "Hey, would you want to do this again? You have your own?" And she kind of was very pejorative. Well, do people do people want me to? To which I would say, "Well, probably not. You're not really a main character. I don't know why they're trying to do this." But that's just my three cents. It used to be two cents, but forty-year hyperinflation had to go three cents. It should be four, but I'm a generous man. Three cents. Now, this delay would be fourth time it's been delayed to be released so sports is actually originally supposed to be released in february 2023 and they just keep delaying it again and again and again and a lot of these films are just filled with it is yes they are a copy paste of cgi generated explosions big go boom bad guy comes they kill the bad guy and no one actually really dies but they also inject a couple uh, maybe they, most likely maybe a robot does this they inject a couple of comments that are more timely so there's a, lot, there's a little bit of topical conversations where they make references to pop culture what have you now if you keep delaying the movie especially with how fast culture moves these days it's going to feel dated already at what point do they not release it because it'll be so dated and stale it'll just flop completely now in terms of the business perspective they can certainly cut their losses because on average whatever you spend on a movie you want to double that for the marketing budget. That's kind of the film industry average. If you read a lot of forums and talk, and uh, that's kind of what I, you kind of keep hearing come to the forefront in terms of cost structure. So it wouldn't be, they, by not releasing it, they would kind of mitigate their loss, but they've also advertised this a little bit as well. And these past movies that keep flopping are costing them, they've lost about $900 million on the past couple films. And keep in mind the CEO who came back to fix the company, Bob Iger, He's trying to clean up the mess that Bob Chapek made with getting involved in politics, making worse movies, injecting politics into movies. Bob Iger's goal is to cut a couple billion dollars in cost. That includes production cost. So it's not just a standalone cost where, you know, decrease staff, decrease cost of materials, but also decrease the cost of what you're making. These Marvel movies are disgustingly expensive from, I'm surprised the CFO doesn't have a heart attack every time they tell him how expensive it's going to be. Because it's a big risk. They used to be multi-billion dollar movies. So it could be okay to spend maybe 400, 500 million dollars on production. Because you'll, even if you spend on it marketing, you'll make a little bit of profit overall. After you had the lockdowns of the pandemic, I kind of feel the pendulum has swung. Where you'll, you'll never get a full 100% participation in, in outdoors activities as you used to. So you have less people going to movie theaters. And your cost just keeps going up and up and up as they use more. If you look at the, I can't imagine how much money they spend on servers, storage, networking in terms of their infrastructure from a technology perspective and their graphics cards. 
the amount of CGI they put into a Marvel film was basically a video game at this point. I guess they, they have a couple of interactions with real actors where they dress up in real costumes every once in a while, but they cost so much to make. That's why I'm not too surprised. Bob actually admittedly said that he wants to make less Marvel and less Star Wars. Partially because they diluted the brand so much by putting out such a disgustingly amount of volume of product, similar to Bud Light, but they just can't sustain it right now. They're losing money. They are looking to actually divest perhaps some of their television networks and their channels because they're in such dire need of an infusion of capital. They're not doing great. So when it comes to the specific delay, every time they delay it, it's just less and less likely it's actually going to be produced. Same thing when it comes to most things in life. You look at sales. The more project is delayed or more someone says, yeah, yeah, I'm going to buy the car next month or I'm going to buy the computer next month, whatever it is, the more delays the less those odds are that the actual sales are going to go through. Same with this movie. Every time they delay it, it's going to get more and more stale and less and less relevant. And I don't think time shall tell to see if they actually pull the trigger and release this, but I'm pretty skeptical. So I would say Outlook, not so good for uh, Miss Marvel. Now, going over to the political part of the podcast, you have Donald Trump attempting to court the United Auto Workers. So, He's attempting to win their endorsement because they have a large populace that they're based out of or that make them up. Now, I say it's a lost cause because for decades, not just the past you know one or two elections, for decades, they unquestionably always prop up the Democratic nominee. And that's where a lot of your dues, if you're a part of the United Auto Workers, that's a lot where your dues go. They go straight into politicians' pockets. Politicians then give you bailouts and extra privileges, but that's not corruption for some reason. Now, most recently, the United Auto Workers endorsed Joe Biden in the 2020 election. So it's not only are they getting, setting a signal and all their minions will actually vote, you know, in concert will all vote for the president, but it's also millions upon millions upon millions in dollars sent as donations. Now, Trump is coming back and his message to the United Auto Workers are saying he wants to roll back Biden's mandates and laws that are, quote, destroying your business. Now, again, this is a fluid situation. There might be, a, might be an announcement within minutes, might make this outdated. But right now, the union has actually withheld its official endorsement for President Joe Biden's re-election over concerns of Joe Biden's push to EVs will leave more members behind. It will. However, the UAW president, Sean Fain, already ruled out endorsing Trump when they met privately with Biden last week as the union starts are bargaining for their new contract with the big three automotive companies. The big three being what used to be the dominant of automotive, used to have General Motors, Ford, and Chrysler. And then competition showed up that coincidentally, coincidentally did not have unions and made a more reliable, more bulletproof product, which is why Toyota will last a million miles in a quarter of a century. Long live the internal combustion engine for now. When it comes to EVs, Trump does have a point because there are less components that go into making an EV vehicle. You have less low-skilled labor needed to create the vehicle. Less low-skilled jobs will be needed for those vehicles. You have General Motors, they have their goal of getting all EV by 2035. That's a huge shift in their portfolio. And of course, right now, with the current profit margins, most of it still comes from internal combustion engines, SUVs, and trucks. Now, even with all that being said, they will still not... There's Politics is a fascinating thing. It's almost like a cult for some people where... They will vote for someone left or right, no matter what, which I find ridiculous, preposterous. I always tell people a good rule of thumb. If you want to see someone, if they're actually politically educated, if they say, oh yeah, I want to vote for Trump or I want to vote for Biden. Okay. 
Tell me three specific initiatives you agree with or you support. What are three things they did for you or three things that they say they're going to do, whether that be an economic policy, a cultural policy, just what are three specific bullet points? And if they can't actually say any, then you know they're an uneducated voter, which some might say is useless, others might say is detrimental to the electoral process. But it's one of those fancy things where Trump does have a point with the EV technologies. It's going to decrease the number of people needed for the automotive community. But what if the EV technologies cause those companies to go bankrupt because they're not making an immediate profit? The government will also bail them out probably like in 2008. Coincidence? No, of course not. So Trump is trying, but Trump is trying. I mean, he has a point, but he's also trying to inject logic into politics, which is a hard thing in and of itself. Given he's human, he has a finite number of resources. I think it could be better spent elsewhere in terms of his moves on a political chessboard. Probably more prudent to court other segments of the industry and other industries in and of itself. But as I always say, time shall tell. Other political news, you have Mitch McConnell freezing on live TV. Now, Mitch McConnell was born February 20th, 1942. So I know um, public school math scores are at all time low, so I'll help everyone out a little bit with some basic math. That means he is 81 years old. Now, during the Trump administration, in terms of his accomplishments, he was a Senate Republican majority, and under his leadership, they passed the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017. That Economic Growth, Regulatory Relief, Consumer Protection Act of 2018, the First Step Act, the Great American Outdoor Act, and he confirmed a record number of federal courts appeals judges during a president's first two years. So, obviously, he's on the right side of the political aisle, and he's done many good things. I, he has a lot of people who... He, he's acquiesced from a lot of situations, a lot of things I wish he would do. Some people say he's looks like a silly, scared turtle. I would never be that insultive, because eh, that would just be too easy of a cheap shot. But... Let's just show this really quick. And the people around him are trying to help. And you have this on the left and the right. You had Feinstein. She doesn't even remember she voted on something. She was the, out of the office for... Oh, let's see here. I'll play this really quick. It's about 42 seconds long. So he's standing at a podium with a bunch of reporters around him. So he literally just said a string of, and now he's standing there looking. He, to his credit, he did suit up as men always, as men truly do. So he does get some points for that. But he's just awkwardly standing there. Awkwardly standing there. Really awkwardly standing there. Ooh, every second gets more painful from a PR perspective. Awkwardly standing there. Finally, one of his friends or another politician, he actually goes up, holds, you know, grabs his arm, and said, "Hey, Mitch, you okay?" Do you want to say anything else to the press? He just goes like, like a turtle. I wouldn't say a snapping turtle. He goes, weirdly enough. And they're saying, you know, now they're saying, you know, let's let's go back to the office. And this is by no means a left for left thing or only a light a right thing again you had diane feinstein who's been in congress for and leading san francisco as long as i can remember she recently went on a three-month leave of absence due to health uh, issues when she came back she came out of the senate or the house of representatives oh no senate and a reporter asked like hey well, how have you been you know you've been three months how you feel a little bit better she goes what do you mean i was never gone and then a couple days later she came out and she said did i did i vote on that so 
you have people on both sides of the political aisle who are clearly not meant for service. And I don't think it should be an age thing. I think it should be a cognitive test because there are some people who are older who are in full control of their mental capabilities. One of the most prolifically being Warren Buffett, who I believe in his 90 or 91. And he's the most successful financial investor in history, still as sharp as a tack. Although he's still not successful as Nancy Pelosi's husband, who actually is more successful from a stock trading perspective. Totally a coincidence, though, um, that his wife is working in the government and controls where money goes and how the market works, I'm sure. I love life. I would never kill myself. I have to say that for the, uh, if anyone is listening from the Bintons. Okay, I, I, I've said too much. But nevertheless, it's one of those things where some people are just clearly not fit. And in terms of unification of political issue, I would think it'd be a very popular political thing to say, hey, we have people on both sides of the aisle who are clearly not fit for service. What if we put some type of cognitive test in place? Would that be a political unifying message or political unifying idea? Perhaps a good idea for a presidential nominee to bring up? It sounds like something that should be brought up, but it's one of those things where it's been going on for decades and no one really brings it up, which is somewhat surprising. And although for some people, they probably think well, those, those who power very rarely give it up willingly because they're addicted to power. And perhaps that's why, that's also the reason probably why that it's still legal for people in the government or to uh, have insider trading. But, you know, if a CEO does it or if you do it, jail for quite some time. We shall see. Now, going over to the business blunder of the day, you have Chase having an outage that takes out Zeely or Zell, whatever you want to call the bloody app. Now, Zell, a little bit of history and background of what it is, it was launched in April 2011 and called Clear Exchange. It was actually launched and originally owned by Bank of America, JP Morgan, Chase, and Wells Fargo. And it was a service centered around person-to-person, business-to-consumer, and government-to-consumer payments. And back in 2016, Clear Exchange was sold to Early Warning Capital. However, Early, Early Warning Capital is owned by Bank of America, True, Truist, Capital One, JP Morgan Chase, PNC Bank, US Bank, and Wells Fargo. So it's owned by pretty much all the major banks, and from a business to consumer perspective, it's a very helpful thing. Instead of having to wait days for a traditional wire transfer, you can just use the Zealy app much more expediently and gets cash seemingly almost instantly, relatively speaking. Now, it looks like recently, last Tuesday, Twitter, their little Twitter profile on Zealy said that the network was functioning normally and they actually pointed the finger to Chase, saying that they were experiencing trouble with payment processing, which is kind of hilarious because Chase owns a part of it. Kind of like a kid blaming their parent, be like, oh, no, no, it's not my fault, it was theirs. Which, technologically speaking, you, you might need a, for, eh, I don't know, a forensic analyst, but you have to look into it to see you know, what side of it really dropped the ball. It's a cliche in IT, everyone always blames the network, which when you're when you work in networking can be quite frustrating. But sometimes it's a much more complex issue than it seems. Now, it did tweet that the rest, uh, Zeely tweeted that the rest of their network was up and running, but... Chase is one of their premier partners, is in full control of the Zealy feature on their app. So they're saying that Chase is the one who's apparently in charge of the maintenance of, of that part. Now, Chase claimed they issued a statement saying, quote, they're working to restore full service to account transfers, Zealy payments, and bank pay and bill payments, unquote. But they didn't offer any details regarding the cause of the service, service outage or the duration. Now, according to Down Detectors, there's a fun little website you can check out where actually will tell you, based on reports, on uh, which websites are down or, or which ones are slow. And they said that collect, that one had both experiences outages, both on Chase and Zeely. 
Now, it looks like the problem remained unsolved 12 hours later, and down detector suggested the severity had tapered off a little bit more as well. And of course, by now, it's been a little more time, it's probably fixed by now, but I don't know how, imagine how much money that costs from their perspective. Because they make a commission, some of their sales, every time money moves, a bank makes money. So there's a wire transfer fee or a Z-Li fee, there are fees that up, and that's how they make a profit, or one of the ways they make a profit. So to have the core part of your business down for even a, even a minute could potentially cost them millions upon millions of dollars as so much money is being transferred and so many fees getting collected. And nowadays, banks are, a lot of them view them as tech companies because so much technology is used to support and propel the businesses to have an issue that's quite literally at the core of your business and causes you to falter and lose money, that, that's got to be the business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for taking the time to tune in today. Also want to let everyone know we're trying to get to 3,000 subscribers by the end of August. So I greatly appreciate you taking the time to click that subscribe button. Also, don't forget to take the time to comment and like. All those things really help out the videos get shared more and more. Also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers. Heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone. Just stay safe and fight the good fight.